1: Concert etiquette: If you're getting your phone out, get it up, snap the video, and take it down. Don't have it up the whole time. You're not going to watch the whole thing, and you're obstructing everyone's view the whole time. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton, and I'm Alex sujong Laughlin, and you're listening to ICYMI, in case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. Eee! And
2: today, hello. I'm joined by a friend of the show and, I mean, just general icon, Alex Sujong Laughlin.
1: Alex, hello. Hi. I am so excited to be here. I've never been called a friend of a show before.
2: Oh, my God. You're definitely a friend (laughs) of this show. Yes. (laughs) Alex is not only a friend of the show, but is a supervising producer and co-owner of Defector Media. She is one of the geniuses behind one of my favorite podcasts, Normal Gossip. You might have heard her on our Friendsgiving episode where we were shockingly positive and talked about all the things <laughs> from the 2022 internet that we were thankful for. Um I can't believe how happy we were.
1: <laughs> we were so young. We were so we, young. I feel like three years have passed since then. Alex, same. Alex,
2: <laughs> Alex, same. <Saint. laughs> it was such a fun time and today is going to be super fun though maybe not as positive but who knows we're recording on 420 anything could happen we were just talking about edibles
1: yes (laughs) shout out to the pass in massachusetts the way i am already
2: coordinating my summer around making it to this specific dispensary But to get into that, you know, 420 energy, we're going to talk about something that always makes me feel a little bit high, a little bit warm and fuzzy, and that is fandom, my absolute favorite topic. The last time you were here, Alex, I asked you what your earliest internet memory was. So today I want to ask you, what's the first fandom you remember joining? And where did you go to get your little your little fandom fix? What was your fandom dispensary?
1: So definitely the first fandom I was ever really a part of was harry potter my fandom uh was not of the social nature necessarily Mm -hmm. um because this was before social media but i do like attribute my earliest like sense of being a fan to my experience with harry potter and you know it started with the books but then once the movies started You know, it was all over for me Every time one of the big three Actors were in a magazine Or Mm -hmm. on a TV show or something or like if they Ever showed up to an award show I was glued To it and my big Content center For for like mainlining Harry Potter accessory Content (laughs) was the like Bonus content on DVDs Of the movies so it would be like the behind The scenes videos where you would Get to see them like you know, messing around on set, um, and then like the commentary versions of the movies. So, I think that's where like a lot of the like fandom content that eventually ended up on Tumblr and on other places came from, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never like really was social about my fandom until I was in like high school, and by mm-hmm. then, like Harry Potter was kind of less cool. I did write fanfic though. Uh, the first thing I ever wrote for myself was Harry Potter fanfic, which I didn't realize that's what it was. And it was never posted on the internet. It was just in a notebook, like a Harry Potter notebook that I got from a scholastic book fair.
2: Wow. Not the analog <laughs> fanfic, the handwritten fanfic. <laughs>
1: that is kind of a
2: perfect segue into a current fandom that you and I think half of the world conservatively are in (laughs) i'm of course talking about one taylor allison swift i did have to look up her middle name to check this um (laughs) so i need to know when did you become a swifty what is your origin story
1: i just i want to preface this by saying i'm feeling deeply vulnerable right now um a safe space. <laughs> I'm, I'm like really coming out and showing myself here. So um I hope everyone appreciates it. So it all began with Teardrops on My Guitar, her first single. Oh, phenomenal. I am roughly the same age as Taylor Swift. She was born in 1989, famously. Um, <laughs> I was born in 91. So she's two years older than me. So when I was in high school, she was doing her high school country pop music. She was singing about... Being a loner at school and being on the bleachers at a football game. Mm -hmm. And I related so much. There was something very special about having somebody who was roughly my age making music about the stuff I was going through. And so that continued. You know, she released albums pretty much every two years throughout my high school, college, and then like early young adulthood experience. And um, every time a new album came out, it felt like it was reflecting where I was in my life too. So like Mm -hmm. I was primarily a fan of the music. It was less about her as a person. I wasn't involved in the, like, Tumblr community. You know, I had friends who were very into Taylor Swift Tumblr, and I was never part of that world. Um, but, you know, over the years, just like being a fan of her music and her, you know, watching every music video, I was familiar with, you know, the main characters and the main, like, plot points of her life. Mm -hmm. Um, so it didn't become a thing. (laughs) Until the pandemic. The pandemic made us
2: all regress into being teenagers. I yes. say this all the time. The pandemic was honestly the height. I'll be vulnerable in exchange. Amazing. I, yeah. <laughs> it was the height of my Harry Potter fandom. It was when I first started reading Harry wow. Potter fan fiction online because I just needed a hit of pure dopamine. And there's mm-hmm. nothing like fandom that gives you that hit.
1: Um, I downloaded... TikTok, I think in 2018, but I wasn't really mainlining TikTok until, you know, 2020 when the lockdown happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and famously, Taylor Swift released two pandemic albums. Um, but also she started doing the re-records of her previous albums. So basically, like from 2020 to 2021, I think we got four new albums, which is just a ton oh of content. My God you know, because I was a fan of her music, this passing interest that I had became just the number one thing that was on my TikTok for you page. Mm-hmm. And it became the stuff of her personal life, uh, deep analysis of her music, like predictions, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Honestly,
2: I'm I feel very warmly towards this fandom journey even though I feel like I'm the Switzerland of Taylor Swift fandom in that I'm not quite a swifty but I also don't hate her music. Folklore and Evermore were on repeat in my household for a really long time. Teardrops on my guitar, a bop, mm-hmm. our oh song, also my a God. bop. Despite my passing interest in the whole Taylor Swift Kremlinology. I really didn't think I was going to get served as much content as I have since her heiress tour started this year. I have not been able to scroll down my For You page without seeing at least one TikTok live from a concert of hers. Truly any given night over the past two months, I could just watch a whole three-hour Taylor Swift concert on my phone. It's wild. And it's this entirely new way of concert going. One where instead of you going to the concert, the concert comes to you, whether you want it or not. And that's what we're here to talk about today. After a short break, Alex and I will be back to talk about Taylor Swift her heirs tour, and what it's like to go to concerts in the TikTok era.
1: Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7, U.S.-based,
0: live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night.
1: I would say TikTok did ruin concerts to
2: a degree, more or less going into this year alone. And I'm back with Alex. This is kind of your show, Alex, at this point, because (laughs) you pitched this episode in an incredible two-minute voice note that I'm going to admit, even before I listened to it, I was like, yeah, let's do it. I don't even know what this is about. There's no way that this is not going to be incredible. I just trust you so deeply. And then I listened (laughs) to it, and I was like, I was right. And she's right. So we spoke a bit about your Swifty origin story, but something that really intrigued me is the way that you've spoken about how TikTok kind of turbocharged your fandom. And can you tell me a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I said that I went from enjoying Taylor Swift's music, and yes, I was definitely a fan, but I had never seen her in concert, to my entire For You page being not only Taylor Swift music, but also, you know, like talking about her personal life. Life, her dating history, theories that she might be gay.
2: Oh, I know that theory.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And I would save a bunch of TikToks and show them to my husband and say, Oh my gosh, did you know about the big sur trip that she took with Carly? And, you know, doing that, I'm like, you know, forcing my husband to get in the weeds with me, but I'm also telling TikTok that I'm interested that in this. this? <laughs> <laughs> so it feeds me more. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's a thing that I've noticed broadly with TikTok is that it takes this thing that you're interested in. And if you give it any indication that you like it, it is like, okay, this is now your personality. Mm -hmm. And so like previously... I would have had to opt into this world in a very conscious and deliberate way on Tumblr because I think that's generally where this uh, fandom lived, although they were also on Twitter a bit, but I feel like it was mostly Tumblr. And, you know, to enter that fandom, to be a part of it, you have to follow one person at a time. It really Mm -hmm. kind of takes time and effort to deliberately become a part of this community. And... With TikTok, the fact that it shows you content from people that you don't follow and it's generated based on the interest that you've indicated to the platform, that friction, those steps of deliberateness are removed. Mm -hmm. And so it just sort of turbocharges whatever fandom that you might like casually be a part of. And suddenly it's like, hello, (laughs) like you're part of this world now. This is who you are. Also importantly... It kind
2: of gives you the best of the content. Mm -hmm. The thing about following people on Tumblr is even if they're a fandom blog, no one's going to have 100% every single post. You know, everyone has their mid posts. And so (laughs) you don't quite get sucked in as fast as you do on TikTok because you're just seeing the top tier delicious content that everyone in the fandom wants to see. And also everyone mm-hmm. in the fandom is commenting under the TikTok comment section also is another important spot for fandom because they'll just go on these dissertations of just mm-hmm. like, did you know this or this connects to this? And you're like, what is that? Let me search that.
0: Yeah. You
1: don't have to like go through the trenches as a fan mm-hmm. and like, you know, watch all of the gifts that people post and, <laughs> Um, And the like cryptic lyric posts that people post in between the like bangers that are encyclopedic recaps of one thing or another. It's just fandom highlight reels and Mm -hmm.
2: it's addictive. I've gotten almost sucked into fandoms for shows that I don't even watch, like Stranger Things, where I'm just like, what? happened to billy and why is it so sad i need to find out it's tugging at my heartstrings and i've only seen a, like a two-second clip about this
1: yes i've like had a little bit of various true crime tiktoks delivered to me mm-hmm. and i've like started to step my toe into it and then been like no 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 no, no. I, I don't wanna, get, i don't want to do it this. you can't
2: do that you're gonna get sucked <laughs> in you can't do yeah. it <laughs>
1: But the fact that it just comes to me delivered like so easily on Mm -hmm. my For You page, like, oh my God, like, it's so easy.
2: Yes. Delivered is such a great verb for it because I didn't ask for it, but I kind (laughs) of want it now. (laughs) Exactly. So you have tickets to the Ayers tour, correct? You're you're one of the lucky ones.
1: I sure do. I sure do. And I fought for them.
2: (laughs) I'm sure you did, honestly. (laughs) The girlies were in the trenches with that. So
1: I'm assuming you're super
2: excited, but I have to ask if your excitement has been at all tempered by the fact that I'm assuming your FYP is as full of, if not fuller, of Taylor Swift footage as mine is. Just to give a sense of scale, 80 million people watched the first two nights of Taylor's tour on TikTok, which is wild.
1: Yeah, I was one of them. I mean, I will be clear, I didn't stream it um, because I don't want to spoil it that much. But yeah, I am like really excited and also have like complicated feelings about the fact that I know the choreography for Vigilante shit And, Mm -hmm. like, I know what her different costumes look like. And there's this one moment where she, like, does this optical illusion stage dive Mm -hmm. uh, that really blew people's minds the first night. And, like, now I know that it's going to happen. And I feel kind of weird about it. Um, I had a dream last night uh, (laughs) that... I went to the concert mm-hmm. and that it felt like I was watching a TikTok. And because I had seen everything on TikTok already, the concert ended. And in my mind, I was like, "Wait, I'm excited for the concert." And then I had to remind myself that it was already over and that it, like wasn't even that great because I had oh seen everything my already. God. It made me really sad.
2: Yeah, of course it did. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. One of the things you mentioned that really kind of lodged its way into my brain is that the Aeros tour is so present online that Taylor has had to respond by changing things so that her fans are surprised, which... She's always been a person who just loves engaging with her fandom. She loves to drop little hints and clues and <laughs> treasure hunts that have only encouraged the politely, I'll say, detective skills of her audience. Um, <laughs> others might say <laughs> conspiracy theorists. On yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't gonna say it, <laughs> but yeah. it's wild to me to think of artists having to put on. These massive three-hour productions, because that's how long an Eras Tour concert is. And then also having to deal with changing it constantly so that their fans haven't seen all of it on TikTok by the time they s- actually see it in person.
1: Yeah, like I think that she tried to preempt some of this with the secret songs that she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a part of the concert that's an acoustic set. Um, And she said at the beginning that she was going to play different songs at every stop on the tour um, as a way to mix it up, you know, and (laughs) the fandom (laughs) has created spreadsheets. They have Mm -hmm. created like they have like these like whiteboards where they're crossing off songs as she plays them, like in an attempt to predict what she's going to play at their night of the tour. Which is wild to me because it's, like, this is at least one part that is deliberately meant to be a surprise. And they're trying to, like, remove that element of surprise. Remove every element possible. Which is really interesting to me. I don't feel like it's bad, necessarily. I don't feel like it's good. I just... It's just an interesting way to engage with a live music experience.
2: And then there's the added element of not just fans who are doing this, who want to know what's going to happen, but content creators who are seeing Mm -hmm. this as an opportunity for exclusive content. I'm going to read a bit from a nylon piece written by Brooke Lamentia titled... Why go to a show when you can see it on TikTok? Hoping to maximize her chances of capturing one of the first viral concert moments of Taylor Swift's upcoming Eras tour, 26 year old Los Angeles content creator Reagan Bailey decided to purchase tickets for the tour's opening night in Glendale, Arizona, as well as the shows in Los Angeles. I see it as a content opportunity because obviously I'll be one of the first people to be able to post about it, which is huge, Bailey says. But then, second of all, her shows in my city are the last shows of the tour. So I didn't want to watch the whole thing play out on TikTok and feel like I had already gone. Hmm. Like, of course we're here. We've kind of always been here in a way.
1: But something
2: about this feels different.
1: Yeah, I feel weird about it. Like, I am a person who believes that, like, influencers are doing real and good sometimes good work like yes. this is a job like I'm not somebody who thinks that content creators are not professional people but there's also a part of me that's like wow what a cynical like approach to something that like in theory is a really joyful experience mm-hmm. and I don't think that this person is cynical necessarily but I just I think that the media environment that we all live in that we have to exist in like, hyper-capitalistic media environment means that, like, now when we go somewhere exceptional or see something amazing, the first thing that we think is, like, can I make money off of this? Mm -hmm. And to a lesser extent, like, can I get views? Can I get clout? Because to a certain extent, like, views and clout are money. It's
2: another kind of capital.
1: Yeah, and it's it's wild. I mean, like, it makes sense that, like... Taylor Swift tickets, especially, were very difficult to get for this <laughs> tour. I saw the girlies crying on TikTok. I saw the girlies crying on TikTok. <laughs> yes. And, like, I think that there's something to be said about making the experience accessible to people who couldn't get tickets. Mm-hmm. But it also just... <sighs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just makes me feel sad. Same.
2: Because there's a voice in my head that sounds a lot like another friend of the show, Nadir Gough, who wrote a great piece about how concert spoilers make the act of concert going more accessible. And largely, I agree, because mm-hmm. it's true that especially for a concert like Taylor Swift, where getting tickets was basically like the Hunger Games, it seemed like. Yes that most people won't be able to see it. So being able to see it in this way, being able to know the set list, being able to see all these threads that are dedicated to her outfit changes, getting to look at the spreadsheets of the surprise songs (laughs) that are playing, seeing the swan dive moment off of the stage in 50 different forums, that all feels great for people who don't get to see the concert in person. Or even don't get to see it until later. I mean, here's at the Cotton Candy Unicorn over on TikTok talking about how much she wants those spoilers.
1: I understand all the fans who don't want spoilers for the Eras Tour. It's just that that could never be me. My entire Friday night St. Patrick's Day plans are sitting on my couch and watching every single Eras tour video I can possibly find. And I am so incredibly excited for that.
2: But I don't know if I necessarily believe that people are creating this content so that people who can't see the concert can see the concert. Like, it doesn't feel yes. like an altruistic
1: yes. <laughs> thing. Oh my gosh, that's exactly it. Also, we are in the era where all of these major concerts are being filmed. And Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. fairly confident that given the Ticketmaster drama that we will get a concert film of this tour that will be much better quality than the millions of cell phone videos that are on TikTok. I think that a big part of this, beyond the like more cynical, more capitalistic, like, I want to create content out of this experience, I also think there's something to the idea that a lot of people have been inside for (laughs) a really long time. And a lot of people have not been to a big concert like this. And I think that for a lot of our generation and for Zoomers, like the impulse to pull out your phone when you see something cool is like this desire to like hold it in your hand and keep it and like Mm -hmm. remember it, you know? But like we're in a time where everything is being documented. So you like don't actually need to do that. There's an element of like, oh, let's be, let's be a little mindful. Let's like Let our eye holes and ear holes absorb this (laughs) instead of our camera holes.
2: And I also think part of what feels different is that I and you haven't asked for any of these spoilers.
1: Yes. Yes. I would have been fine, like not seeing any of it. The last big show I went to was in, I think it was 2018 or 2019. I went to the Lord Melodrama Tour. That's like the the biggest concert that I've ever been to, I think. It was like mm-hmm. in Barclays Center. I look back at it and it was such a spectacle visually. It was so beautiful. And it had never occurred to me to look up what the show was like before I saw it. And it felt so special to experience it all there. So yeah, I was kind of expecting that to be my experience with the Eros tour. And it wasn't until the morning after the first show that I was like, oh, this is going to be different. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm, Because finding concert set lists online has pretty much been a thing since online was a thing. You can (laughs) always find concert spoilers if you want them. But before TikTok, and importantly, before every app tried to become TikTok, we could make a conscious choice to seek out concert spoilers. I remember being on Tumblr back when One Direction was still touring and I was still a One Direction girly and I witnessed this conversation and there was a sort of etiquette about concert spoilers, which was if you were not wild, you never told anybody what to post. You're like, post what you want. It's your blog. However, tag it so other people can choose whether or not to see it and now it just comes to us whether we want to or not which i imagine is frustrating since it's not like even if you could you're gonna block taylor swift on tiktok
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm like stunned at the level of like community moderation that was happening on tumblr the ways that like norms were enforced. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that to become a part of that community, you had to opt in like it required a buy in, um, which doesn't exist in the same way on TikTok and largely on any of the social platforms that deliver things to you beyond your immediate social circle of like people you know and follow. One of the biggest problems with social media is virality and the fact that like Mm -hmm. it's so easy for content to go beyond its intended audience now. Like that's kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah, and it just makes
2: the spoilers conversation, I think, a lot harder to navigate, not least because it only seems to come up every so often because there are only so many artists that can command the level of hype that Taylor does and thus could mm-hmm. produce a sort of wall-to-wall coverage from media and also from her fans. Harry Styles is another one and I'm not just saying that as a former <laughs> One Direction stan but the same debate that we're talking about was had over concert spoilers when his love on tour started. Footage from those concerts have something like seven billion views on TikTok I would say at least a hundred of which are mine. I'll, I'll cop to that. <laughs> And... I have to say again, as a fan who wasn't paying for those tickets, I was not gonna pay for that tour. It was neat to be able to see so much of it through clips on TikTok. I'm gonna read a bit more from that Nylon piece from a 21 year old Harry Styles fan who said, "At one point, I couldn't spend $200 on a pick ticket and go to see my favorite artist, and TikTok is making it so even if you're not at that show, you're experiencing Harry and you're experiencing what the culture is like there, especially because some people who post on their TikTok from the front." row it really makes you feel like you're at the barricade with them i think that's a really inclusive thing for people who can't go and like i get that so hard like i understand that so deeply
1: same i like i truly get it i couldn't get harry styles tickets either and i wanted them and so it was fun to watch these videos but also i have a hard time like i think it's like the whole culture and it like sometimes it feels like this is a justification It's a sort of after the fact justification for people having their phones out 100% of the time.
2: TikTok in the real world is actually such a new phenomenon. It really, it became more popular during the pandemic when we were all inside. And now that live concert experiences are back, we're really having to deal with the fact that this is a real thing and the way that it's bumping up against our actual lived experience. And It only gets trickier because of the power of the TikTok algorithm. And we're gonna talk a bit more about that after a short break.
1: Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a
0: delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized.
2: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, y'all. Hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening to ICYMI, then a welcome. I'm so thrilled to have you here. In case you missed it, That's what ICYMI stands for. Just want to make sure you know that. And you should also know that our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You're currently listening to the Saturday episode. This past Wednesdays was all about Netflix's reality television dating show, Love is Blind, all the drama, and all the ways that Netflix just doesn't know what to do with this perfect piece of content. You should definitely check it out, especially if you had feelings about that finale.
1: Swifties, listen up, excuse me. We've made an executive decision here that we are going to put Era's tour spoilers on any content posted. It would appear based on the comments that there are many others who are also having the fear that they're going to see way too much of the show before they actually attend it. And
2: we're back and I'm thinking about Beyonce because I'm pretty much always thinking about Beyonce, but specifically (laughs) I'm thinking about her Coachella set from 2018. If you weren't there, honestly, where were you? Because Beachella was a moment. It was a time. It was one of the best things to ever happen. And it feels like an inflection point for a few different reasons. One of the reasons that artists get for why concert ticket prices have increased so much is that artists like Beyonce and Harry and Taylor are choosing to do these massive three-hour productions, which cost a lot more to make than a 90-minute set. There's also just much more to spoil when you have a three-hour production because there are costumes changes and light effects and marching bands and dance routines but i think even artists themselves are surprised by how thirsty their fandoms are to be a part of these productions to the point of seeking out footage so they can in the case of the beachella show show up to the second coachella weekend wearing one of her outfits from the first coachella weekend
1: (laughs) honestly amazing i don't know how how they did that Neither does Beyonce.
2: You can hear her in the Homecoming <laughs> Live album saying... I see you. How did you do that so fast? She has on my outfit, you <laughs> And I remember when Beachella happened knowing that there were definitely live streams that I could have watched. Um, I chose not to, not because I have any particular feelings about it, but because I'm constantly terrified that Parkwood Entertainment is going to find me and sue me.
1: They would. And they, they would. would. And they could.
2: And they yeah. can. But that was in 2018... When Beyonce did her Dubai show early this year, I didn't have to make a choice about seeing that footage. It just came to me immediately on Twitter and on TikTok. And I think that's the kind of golfing experience that we're trying to describe with Taylor, with the concert going experience having changed so much during the pandemic. And this is one of the biggest indicators of that.
1: Yeah, I like I can't help but think about all of the tweets and TikToks that I've seen from old fogies like us who (laughs) had like a pretty you know significant concert going career before the pandemic who are like gen z doesn't know how to behave at concerts anymore Mm -hmm. and i like i don't think that that's 100 percent fair because everybody can behave badly and i think a lot of people are just like a little bit acting like feral animals right now because we Mm -hmm. don't remember how to be in the world Yes. But I also do think there might be something to this idea that, like, there's this micro generation that had their, like, crucial would-be education years of, like, being in concerts and, like, what the culture of being in a, a pit, for example, is, mm-hmm. um, who just kind of missed it, who, like, don't have that. And also, it's, like, this collision with phone culture, with TikTok. Mm-hmm.
2: And, I mean, I'm trying so hard not to be, like, Get off my lawn. (laughs) But I'd be lying if I said I don't think phones have actively made the concert going experience worse. I am not that tall. I know people are surprised <laughs> to hear this. But it's hard when you're in an audience and theoretically you can see over the person's head in front of you, but then their phone is held up and you're just trying to like dodge around these screens to see the person on stage. And it's, I can't imagine that doesn't feel weird from the other side, being an artist and looking out into your audience and not seeing people's faces, but seeing their phones.
1: Yes, I can actually speak to this experience. We here at Normal Gossip have instituted <laughs> a rule for our live shows, that we asked people to put their phones away. Um, mm. And in part, that's because we were starting out our live shows and we were just nervous and we didn't want people filming in case we did a bad job. But also, I think it was really important to us to create a space where it felt like everyone was really present. So we gave people like an opportunity to take photos at the beginning and at the end, but asked them to, to keep their phones away. And for the most part, they did it, which was nice. Yeah,
2: and the thing is, it's not just Zoomers. Like, I, I want to make sure this conversation isn't like a generational thing because yeah. I've seen plenty of people holding their iPads aloft at a concert and I just <laughs> don't think anyone under the <laughs> 24 is doing that. And the thing is, artists have noticed this. Again, shout out to this nylon piece. The writer interviewed singer songwriter MX tune I never know how to pronounce this artist's name. I'm like, is it Mom Tomb? Is it MX tune And the thing is, she refuses to tell us. And that's funny. Anyway, she says, The perception of the person on stage has shifted a lot with the creation of TikTok. Now, every person in the audience is in charge of making content, not just the person on the stage performing. And as a result, we've seen a huge disconnect happening between listeners and artists. And that reminded me of how much you didn't want your heirs experience to just feel like a giant TikTok, because there's a huge difference between documenting a moment for yourself and then documenting it for the content economy.
1: Yeah. And in some ways, I'm like, it's fine. Like, if you want to take the video for yourself and not post it, like, sure. I I saw Green Day on their American Idiot tour when I was in high school, and um, I recorded Some of the songs on my little flip phone Mm -hmm. And I re-listened to that Over and over and over again It was like one of the happiest moments of my life Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like really treasured those recordings However, like The whole point of this conversation is that the internet is blanketed with these videos. Mm. And so, like, I intend to go to the concert and I'll, like, take a picture with my husband ahead of time. Maybe, like, if I'm crying at some point, I'll take a picture (laughs) of myself. Of course. Yeah, you know, as you do. But, like, I don't intend to take any videos because... I already know that there are going to be thousands of videos of the exact moment I want to capture yeah. on the Internet. So I don't want to tell anybody what to do. But also it's like, I think, very comforting to remember that, like, if everybody's taking a video, maybe you don't have to.
2: That is so true. Also, they'll probably take it better than you can anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know who'll take it the best is the video crew that's going to be there. That's
2: going to be there. I'm not going to lie. This entire Taylor Swift conversation makes me worried about me. um, And specifically <laughs> the money that I spent on my Renaissance ticket. Yeah. I, as a person who just loves fandom so much, clearly it's one of my favorite things in the world. And I never want to tell people what to post within reason. And just generally I find spoilers discourse a bit boring, but... It looks a lot different on TikTok because of that fucking algorithm. (laughs) Like, it's been a pretty long time since we've talked about this in depth, the perils of being trapped in a TikTok rabbit hole. It's really hard to escape. And it's even harder to escape when you don't necessarily wanna block all the content about a specific topic. Like, will I absolutely filter out content about long COVID because my anxiety can't handle it? Yes, love it, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Do I want to impose a Beyonce moratorium until August when I see her in concert? No! That feels unfair to me.
1: Oh my God. You can't. That is a drought. I need to see the cuff it dance. Ah, uh, yeah. The algorithm is very smart. It's smart enough to bring this content to us when we've indicated in the lightest way that we're mm-hmm. interested, but it's not smart enough to actually do that work of filtering what we want to see and what we don't want to see. Yeah. And I feel like I get this a lot with fitness content, honestly. Oh my
2: God. Yes. It's the worst with fitness content.
1: Yes. Like I consider myself a jock girly. Same. Um. Uh, we are we are both like swole woman devotees. I love getting stuff about women lifting weights. I love Same. stuff about fitness. But like the algorithms can't tell the difference between women lifting weights and women losing weight. Hmm. <laughs> and so I constantly am like trying to tell the algorithm. No, I don't want to see this video about how you lost 10 pounds doing 12330 every day, drinking your water and healing your hormones. Like, I don't want that. What's kind of funny is that
2: I'm pretty sure the last time we talked about this in depth on the show, TikTok didn't have any filtering technology. You could say I don't want to see this, but I think that just went into a void. I can't confirm because no one knows what happens with the information you give to TikTok. But back in July of last year, they finally added in the ability to filter out specific hashtags and keywords both in your FYP and your following page which is great but also like why did that take so long but it brings us back to this impasse threat, which is that TikTok is incredible at radicalizing you into a fandom or into anything else, unfortunately. But it doesn't have a good way of pulling you back out of that rabbit hole or modulating your experience within that rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, it's like an accelerated version of what we saw happening with radicalization on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But because of a couple of things, A, I feel like the short form nature of TikTok makes it much more insidious. And like, you can kind of progress much faster than if you're watching, like, an hour-long YouTube video. Like, you only have time for one of those, whereas you can watch, like, 50 TikToks Mm -hmm. um, in one sitting. But also, like, Google is an American company that's subject to American regulation, so like, things have changed with Google with the way that it feeds you content and also the moderation on the platform. We're seeing this in really lighthearted cases of, you know, fandom to a less light extent diet culture Mm -hmm. um but there's also like really dark shit that you can like get radicalized on on the internet and so it's it's kind of scary it is but i mean kind of back to
2: fandom what this makes me think of is fan fiction which is how we started this episode and the fact that fandoms when they aren't delivered to you fandom when you opt in has usually an etiquette system Like on AO3, which is Archive of Our Own, you can read fanfic without encountering spoilers. So I'm just going to toss out an example. If you wanted Game of Thrones fanfiction but hadn't watched past season four, there's a pretty easy filter system to navigate so you can read all the Jon Snow, Robb Stark fanfic you want without finding out what happens to either of them at the end of the show. Unfortunately, I think that's maybe the only way to combat this. The TikTok algorithm is never going to be able to effectively sort this kind Of content, they don't want to, and also they just can't because computers aren't great at nuance as a person who engages in fandom and as someone who is a fan it's not just about your personal relationship with an artist it's also about the experience you have within a community and i feel like if you actually wish to be a part of that community then you do have to engage with the fact that some of the people in your community don't want to see this shit so tag your fucking spoilers if you can
1: it comes back to that thing about like I think that requiring a bit of friction in -hmm. order to join the community is what makes it possible for this community moderation to exist. And
0: Mm.
1: it's just never going to happen on TikTok because that is against TikTok's business model. They want the most
2: frictionless experience possible. I think we're coming down to saying that everyone should be more like fanfic writers.
1: Basically, yes. Mm. Even if you write your fanfic in pencil uh, in a (laughs) Harry Potter notebook.
2: Especially if you write your fanfic in pencil (laughs) in a Harry Potter notebook. (laughs) All right, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, to never miss a discussion about spoilers that is mostly spoiler-free. Please leave a rating and review in an Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at icymi_pod, underscore pod, which is also where you can us your questions like, why is Taylor jumping backwards into a pit? And you can also always drop us a note at icymi at Slate.com.
1: ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks and Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. See you online
2: or on the air's tour.